Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm bringing you my conversation with one of the most exciting young actresses working today, Shira Haas. She's the mesmerizing lead of Unorthodox, which is streaming now on Netflix. I can help you. And who's this? I'm Esti. Esti. Is this your first time in Berlin, Esti? Yes. Well, welcome. You escaped, didn't you? You make it sound like I was in prison. You weren't you? God expected too much of me. It's a show that has captured the hearts and minds of so many this year telling the story of a young woman from the Hasidic community in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, who breaks out of her arranged marriage and travels to Berlin to find herself. And Shira gives a stunning tour de force performance. For this interview, she called me from her home in Tel Aviv. And just a quick note, we did not have the best signal on this call, so you're going to hear some of that in the audio. But stick with it, because she is so worth it. Here is Shira Haas. Shira Haas, it's great to see you. I'm very excited to talk with you. I absolutely love your work. And I know we kind of communicated a little through social media. I was like, this girl, everybody, this is this is one of those that has um, risen through the crowd, certainly in my mind, uh, and is worthy of our attention and our acknowledgement in your short career, how much you've been able to accomplish and do. So congratulations, first off, on that. And thank you. And thank you for your support. I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was honored. Thank you so much. And the show, Unorthodox, has been still, people are talking about it. it it's going through this incredible life cycle um, through the public and audiences and people, the beauty of Netflix is people are discovering it at all times all over the world. Yeah, it's unbelievable. How has that been for you <laughs> while we're all sheltering in place and you're in uh, Tel Aviv, right? And it's nighttime yeah. there, right? I'm, I'm, it's 10. Yes. What time is it there now? It's, it's 9 p.m. here. Are you in, in, in Los Angeles? Yes, or? I'm in L.A. So it's 1030 okay, <laughs> in the morning. Yes. Well, that's the beauty in it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was, I was, I was supposed to be, of course. Uh, the plan was to be, uh, of course, with the TV series in France in the in the series Money Festival, and then I had also the Tribeca Film Festival, and then to continue to LA and hopefully to see you in person, right? But of course, I mean, <laughs> uh, life happened, and. Uh, I got, and I, I just want to say that I still, even though it's in my, uh, you know, in my room, in my apartment, but I cannot complain. I really feel the love for the show, maybe, maybe even more than a different uh, circumstances, even though we all hope that it will 
wouldn't be like that. But I really can feel the love from a lot of people. And I think that's the power of Netflix, of course. But also the fact that, I mean, was mostly amazing to me, not only the amount of people, but also the differences of people, you know, really from all over the world, from different ages and, and different places and religious and non-religious. And it's just um, beyond what I expected. And I guess the, the strength of the show, which is amazing. And I'm very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what's so interesting uh, about the impact of the show is that it's so very specific. You know, you're in this world of the Hasidic community. You have the Satmar sect of that Orthodox, you know, it's like Orthodox on top of Orthodox. She'll have to explain to me the different, you know, what differentiates the Satmars. What I loved about this show, which I'm sure everybody responded to as well, is you take this world that you think you might know something about, and the further you push push the door open, you realize that it's just human beings trying to do their best and they have similar uh, feelings and emotions and doubts and curiosities as anybody else. Yes, I agree. I mean, it's very important really to mention and to say that there are so many communities and every community is so different from one another. It's really, it's so different. I mean, I I knew some Orthodox communities before, but I had no idea about really the Satmar, for example. So I had to do a lot of research and it's so different from what I knew really in so many things. Um, And it's important because it's not one way you can generalize it, of course. Um, And also, like you said, it's very specific and I think it's very fascinating to people to see the show and get a chance to see these words. But at the same time, I feel like this show um, is also kind of like universal in a way, you know? And I think that's kind of like maybe the strongest form or ability of art in a way to bring you something that's supposed to be so different from you, right? That you don't understand, that you don't know, that you like, you criticize it and then you see it and you're like, huh, it's actually not, that's different from what I want to achieve, you know, maybe it's a different result, but you can relate to it. And I think it's, it's an amazing ability to do in a TV series. And that's why I also, when I really first read even Unorthodox, I, I really loved it. Um, and it's great, like I said before, to see that so many people from different countries and circumstances could relate to it. Cause that just kind of way through that point, you know? Well, I think a, a, I think a huge part of that is your performance, because we have to believe in you and follow your path. And I want to talk a little bit about that, because for this role, obviously, you grew up and you were born in Israel. Uh, you speak Hebrew and English very well, uh, but you also had to, oh, thank you. <laughs> you had to learn Yiddish. And German, a little bit of German, right? Uh, this is shot mostly in, in Berlin. The physicality is pretty extreme. You did shave your head. The wardrobe obviously has its own um, narrative that as she grows throughout the series. For you as an actress, what was the thing that was the most daunting when you were approaching this part? Which one should I choose, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, um, wow. The Yiddish was really part of it, a challenging part of it, learning like a language that you don't know at all and also learning it hopefully so well. That was the intention uh, in order to not even think about it while you're on set, right? Because I don't just want to know my lines. I want to do it fluently and freely and change it and stuff. And 
also, of course, the shaving uh, hair scene, which was on the first shooting day, was uh, intense and emotional and also amazing and empowering, right? I don't find any PDD, right? That um, was, that was your, <laughs> that, let me just interrupt you for our listeners. So your very yeah, first please. day on set, you had yeah. to shave your head. And I imagine that's one take, right? I mean, you're, you yep. can't You only reshave. have one piece of hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wish they had, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yes, it's one take. We had two cameras, one kind of like behind the mirror, so it was my face, and one from the side, and it was one take. First student day, one heck of a welcome. Uh, um, and it was just, I remember the director also, Maria Schrader, talked with me a day before and she was like, please, please don't be prepared for it. I love to be prepared for my scenes and for my role. And she was like, don't, don't. Because he told me, and she was right, there is no right or wrong. She feels empty kind of like all of the emotions. She's really thrilled and excited and happy, but she's scared and, and terrified and sad and have questions. And I, I mean, you see 20 seconds on the show, but it was an eight, eight minute uh, take. So it was really kind of like a roller coaster of emotions. And it was amazing. And I think in a way, the, first, the fact that it was on the first shooting day kind of like really made me, got me into acid, you know? Um, and yeah, but I think the scene that I was most stressed about, you'd be surprised. It's maybe the, yeah, I'll tell a spoiler, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> maybe the audition scene uh, in the last episode, I think. Mm. I mean, my heart was beating so fast because it was really live and no one really, from there were a lot of people there and no one knew what would come out of me. And I kind of felt like I see will I have my voice? What will happen? You know? <laughs> um, and I was, it's such a symbolic scene as well. And it was so important to me to do it uh, justice and right. And that one is definitely. That scene in particular that you're talking about is, it was stunning. I mean, it really took Thank me you. back. And for you, that voice, is that your voice? Yes, it wow. was live. <laughs> it was live. It's important to say. No, yeah, it was live. I mean, it is a very important scene because uh, it's really, like we said before, I think it's a story about a woman finding herself and finding her voice. And in that scene, she's kind of literally finding it. And in the most pure way, because I think when she gets to that point, she's even surprised herself that it came out of her in a way, you know, um, it's kind of like epiphany, you know, um, and it was such an emotional uh, moment even for me. And I can also, as Shira, you know, I can totally relate to it, to the fact that, I mean, you can discover yourself and discover new things through art, you know, as an actress, as, some, as an actress that acting really helped me you know, in my teens and so, and in my twenties, as we speak. So that's something that I, from a different place, but I can totally relate to it. So it was important for me. That's been very, very much. And thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to talk to you also about one consistent standout, which is also another thing that I think I will, again, call out your performance, is I can't remember the last time I watched something that there was so much adrenaline and curiosity, like what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I was on the edge of my seat, but yet all the, most of the action was through silence. And that was incredible. And 
what you communicated without talking just across your face spoke volumes. And I wanted, as an actor, how do you prepare for that? It's nice that you mention it because it's something that also when I, when I see stuff, cinema, it really depends on the genre, right? What you see, but it, sometimes in drama and realistic drama, especially, I really, really enjoy watching um, movies or television when you see that the actors are saying stuff without necessarily saying them. Also because it's more interesting, but also because it's realistic. You know, we're people. We don't usually always say what we we want to say. We don't even uh, we don't even say what we think we want to say. You know, it our face tells a lot of things that we don't necessarily know how to put out there. And it's, it's something that I really love as an actress. I have this hobby of mine that it's not very uh, typical, maybe to an actress, but I enjoy sometimes like asking to remove some of my lines. If I feel, not always, right? But if I feel like I can say something um, without saying that, then a lot of time I feel like it, and it depends on the movie or the television that you're doing, but a lot of times it's really um, more uh, powerful as I, as I see it um, and realistic. Um, and it's something that I, I think I've learned from the amazing director or first director that I worked with in my, on my first feature film that she talked with me about. And it stayed with me, I think, since then. Um, and it was also when I was talking to Maria Schrader, the director, it's something that we talked about a lot. Um, and because Esti as well, she has so many conflicts within her, right? She's also, yes, she is a rebel. and She is unorthodox and she is a rule breaker and she's stubborn and has questions, but she's also very vulnerable and very fragile and scared and, and insecure a lot of times. And you need to bring this tension almost to every scene. It's not like she's moving to Berlin and everything is easy and fun. No, it's still challenging. And it was always about that. And it was always about behind the line. And Maria Schrader talked with me about it a lot. And we wanted to bring this also in the outfit and the clothing. Um, I mean, also when she, I mean, she comes to Berlin, for example, um, and she goes to this Humana, to this store place, right? And she's trying these jeans and it's an amazing thing, but she doesn't come out of the store, for example, right? She doesn't come out of the Sawiji jeans. She's still with a skirt. And it's such a small moment, for example, but it's so sim symbolic for me. I, I mean, I think it was the idea of the costume, the, the costume designer and I love this. Um, and so many like small things. And also, I mean, it's always in our life in general, it's always body and mind together and especially for Esty, and also in the outfit. And it's a very also symbolic series in a way. So uh, we try to bring it to, with, with all the aspects, I guess. Yeah, it was a really, it, it was a very dynamic tension between the kind Thank of you. emotional and the physical, because that scene you particularly point out, it is like you can see the emotion wanting to ride, override the physical nature of the actual clothes and what it meant yeah. to have something hug your body, uh, which obviously Esty had never had. Yeah, everything is new. Yeah, uh -huh. everything is new. And new is great and it's, it's refreshing. Maybe we can think about it, but it's also, I think, terrifying, you know. And I think that also in Berlin, when she arrives, she, she's really scared. I mean, yes, she meets great people. We can give her that. But she still has a lot of challenges to go through. And, you know, even trying new things can feel something sometimes uncomfortable. And even when we leave her, you know, at the end of the series, 
I feel like she has, she's tough enough to go through a lot of stuff, but she has a lot still to go through, you know? Um, so it's, it, I guess it's a never ending battle in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never ending. Yeah. And the no possessions also was another thing that was just struck me, you know, that, that opening scene, like she can't even take the bat, the plastic bag full of stuff. You literally are just whatever is on your body is what she's going yeah. forth into the new world with. You know, it was great. Yeah, a, a true survivor, definitely. Well, I want to talk about uh, what also makes this production really special is it's very female-heavy. It's very exciting to have yes. so many women uh, working behind camera. And w- we talked about Maria Schrader, the director. Uh, you mentioned yeah. her already. Uh, you had a show, the showrunner, Anna Winger, and it was created by Anna Winger and Alexa Karolinski, and it's based on the yes. novel by De- Deborah Feldman. Uh, so yes. that right there is kind of exciting. And the whole entire series centered around a young female. So I want you to just talk about that. And I think for you, what I was examining your career, not everything I'm I'm privy to, but I uh, Obviously, you're very well established in Israel. You've been nominated for the Israeli Oscars. You've even won one. We met you, or at least I met you in Zookeeper's Wife uh, mm-hmm. with that film, right? But you were much younger and, and you were uh, chosen to play the young, I guess, Natalie Portman in her directorial debut, uh, which was A Tale of Love and Darkness. So in your short but very prolific career, you have had a kind of different experience than most actresses, certainly in Hollywood, where yeah. you've worked with a lot of women. And I'd like to just t- just tell me about that. You know, you know, I, I mean, I thought about it a few days ago. I mean, uh, out of like, I think nine movies, of, I don't want to say that I did, I think four were women. But out of the TV, whole TV series that I did, it was only Maria Schrader. I mean, I'd never worked with a female director on TV series. There's a lot of lack in that. But, I mean, there's a lot of work to do even from my experience. So imagine that, right? But I do, I mean, I did talk about it with my friend. That's why I remember all those details. Um, and I, I, I figured that I worked with a lot of women. I mean, comparing at least to maybe other actors and it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, also in The Zookeeper's Wife, like you were mentioning, and also in Unorthodox, and also, you know, in, in Asia, the movie, the upcoming movie that I did, it's also a female director. <laughs> um, there were also so many women, like you said, in the crew, I mean, in the creators, like in major parts. And I remember, I remember I, I talked with Nikki Caro about that, the director of The Zookeeper's Wife, about that. And she was, I was very excited about it. And she smiled and she smiled and she said this to me at the end. But you know that they are here, not because they're women, because they are the best. And I was like, that's so true. <laughs> you know, it just makes sense that, um, and we're not even talking about majority of women. We're talking about something like 50-50, you know, something that just feels right, just feels normal, just feels, I didn't feel like I'm on a cloud. It just felt like in the best environment that could be, that have like, from anyone, you know, and the best people to work with. And I do think that in Unorthodox and other projects that I did, the fact that it was female creators and female director, and it, it has like so many subjects of femininity and, and you know, yeah, sensitive subjects like that, it did help to have uh, women. I did feel really, really, really open 
to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, we didn't have also much rehearsals to some of the scenes. So it was about also talking and feeling comfortable and knowing what's going to happen. And maybe, not maybe, I think the fact that they were women uh, made it maybe just more comfortable in a way. Um, and I think you can also feel it in unorthodox and maybe in other projects, you can feel, I don't know, maybe the touch of it as well. Mm-hmm. Or at least, I mean, from the directing, the creating of it, even uh, from the energy, like on set, I want to believe, you know, because it affects it for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's also talk about Berlin. For me, Berlin is like another character in the series. Uh, And the fact that, especially within um, the Hasidic community, so much of it stems obviously from the Holocaust and Mm -hmm. what that they carry that with them. They're having the children, you know, the women, you know, you're required to to have as many children as you possibly can. So it's so interesting to me that this was set her freedom, ironically is not New York, but Berlin. And just, and you actually shot this in Berlin. So we were, we're really in that city and you feel the texture of that community and the diversity. And certainly with the people that uh, Esty meets when she arrives, you know, it's, it's people from all over that, that have found their way to Berlin uh, to be part of this conservatory, the school. But talk to me a little bit about how that added to your performance and to the character. Like, just being in Berlin and feeling that. Yeah, I mean, I, I never been in Berlin before until uh, the filming of uh, Unorthodox. And I remember I arrived to the airport and I had the taxi to my apartment, to my place. And I looked outside the window and I was like, oh, you know, and I was like, oh my God, keep it too Esty. That's so Esty. <laughs> that moment in real life. I mean, yes, it was new to me as well. Uh, so it works well to that. And of course, there's so much history in Berlin. And my grandparents as well are Holocaust survivors. And that was, yeah, it was very interesting and special to me uh, to film it there. And, you know, I remember thought, thinking about it a lot. I mean, I mean, about also the place of it in the South even though it's not the major part of the show, it is part of it. And I was thinking about it and I thought about um, how they really live their lives uh, through the trauma. But in a way, I remember as, I remember a scene where Eski tells the doctor that they need to rebuild the six million. Um, and I remember thinking about it and I thought about, uh, if I can be personal, I was thinking about like um, my grandfather and my grandmother, that they are all survivors and they arrived to Israel and they just met each other. And they're immediately, I mean, they were not religious, but they immediately got married, had children. And that was kind of like, their answer uh, to what happened to them. But it wasn't out of maybe like where Esther comes from, out of revenge. And out of, you know, it was out of love. It was like they, I mean, ha- what happened happened. And our answer is to continue it, you know, to have a family, to rebuild what we lost, but out of a really sincere and, and out of a place of love and, con- and to continue it. And thanks to that, I'm also here, right? <laughs> So it was very uh, emotional also for me to think about it and to be there and to think about it and that Essie made me think about it and to find my place there uh, from a different uh, position, of course, but also not to be completely judgmental about it. And um, yeah, and it was very, very uh, special, of course, to be there and experience it there. And it made it real for sure. Also the Vanza scene, you know, everything was really 
the real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, now, now, did you take, have you been playing the piano? Like any of the stuff that you learned, have you been speaking Yiddish? Have you been singing more? <laughs> I didn't, didn't know to do anything. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I always loved singing, as I said. So this is something that will always stay with, was with me before um, and will stay with me hopefully forever. Um, who knows? Uh, playing the piano, I mean, I always loved playing instruments, but I was—I never really, really knew how to do it. And I learned the piece, especially for unorthodox. Um, I did not continue doing it now, but maybe that's a good skill to learn in quarantine, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should think about it. And as for Yiddish, I mean, I always laugh and I say that I will probably, hmm, probably remember my lines. Uh, uh, for I mean until like forever <laughs> for unorthodox I think if you'll give me a scene right now I'll probably know how to sing my <laughs> that's for sure yeah and that's it well I, I just want to take you back before I let you go about uh grow, growing up in in Israel and you finding your own creative voice because like <laughs> You know, I love that we here in America and everywhere, we get to discover you <laughs> like like you just woke up and auditioned for this part and you're an overnight sensation. So you belong to us because you were in our living rooms and, and we're bonded to you for life. And that's great. And we can feel that way. But the real story is that you've been at this a long time. And I, I just have... I've, always curious when I when I talk to creative uh, people, regardless of where they are uh, in that spectrum, is how did you, how did it first come to you? Like, what was your childhood like that? Did you come from a creative background? Was it the opposite? And, and what was that first thing that, that sparked your interest? I was very, very shy, actually, believe it or not, as a child. Uh, I loved writing a lot and uh, I don't know, I loved watching movies and watching theater and I went with my mother a lot to watch lots of shows and theater shows and stuff like that. But I never thought I'll be in the center of attention, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and then I remember I grew up and I, I grew up, I was about 14 and I went to like a special school of arts to a theater major because I found it. I don't know, I was fascinated by it, by acting in general. And I was like, why not? That's right. Uh, everyone was shocked. My friends were like, what? But you're like this sh- so shy. What? Uh, <laughs> but I did it. And that's where I really felt like I'm opening up in a way. And I found something that I really love. I haven't decided yet to be an actress. I mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just kind of like in the here and now that children kind of have, right? Um, and then a casting director, when I was about 16 and a half, approached me on Facebook, um, which is kind of like a closure because she's also the casting director of Unorthodox. And she wrote me a message on Facebook, like, I'm doing this movie right now. I'm, I'm a familiar uh, casting director. And she showed me her material, so I'll see it's real. Um, and then I went there, and that was kind of like the princess. That was the first movie that I did. And I always call Princess kind of like my Narnia, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I mean, not just for my career and what come, came after, also for me is Hira. I was about 16 and a half, like I said, and I really felt like I found at pretty young age something that I really want to do, that I really 
find myself, that I find comfortable there. And specifically, especially also suddenly in cinema, like we said before, I did a bit theater before, but suddenly I had a great director that also made me watch a lot of movies and taught me a lot about small acting, like she called it, you know, about how you can just look at something and think about it. And it's there sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. and like we talked about before and this open doors in my mind. Um, and that's the moment that I felt like, okay, this is something that I might want to do <laughs> for the rest of my life. I don't know. And then I did more projects in Israel, of course, and my movies that I did got into festivals, uh, you know, Sundance and, and like stuff like that. And, that's, I guess, how I got my uh, U.S. representations and the zookeeper's wife. But I don't mind people to say that they discovered me now. I find it actually very flattering and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it, really. <laughs> so another question I like to ask everybody, regardless of where they are in their career, because I think this is a universal condition of being human, basically. How do you navigate through the ups and downs? of of a career even even someone like yourself who's who's just 25 has certainly had disappointments and certainly had real high highs and low lows and how do you how do you maintain through that and what advice do you have for for other actors that are just starting this journey I mean you know I remember I was working a lot when I got Princess and Stiefel and uh, Tale of Our and Darkness and so many projects in the beginning and then I remember suddenly I was like 18 or 19 or something like that and I got no and no and no and no suddenly and I was kind of like out of work which makes sense I was really young but that's what happened back then and I remember uh, meeting a director that I worked with and he asked me so what are you doing now and I felt so ashamed back then to say well n- nothing and I remember thinking about it like uh, when I bitch got older and I mean, I wish I could tell this girl, you know, to relax, <laughs> to relax. I mean, I mean, I guess my, my point is that you can only, only do your really, only do your best in a way. Um, really the rest, I mean, there will always be a yes. There will always be a no. I mean, I still experience it now. And I, I mean, happened also, until I'm an orthodox, there were so many almost big, almost that didn't happen and if I would let it break me then I probably wouldn't have the motivation to get unorthodox maybe you know it's not about looking forward even it's kind of like being here and accepting what's happening and trusting yourself even when it really really feels hard especially in in these months I guess it brings a lot of questions and conflicts to many people and their jobs Um, and it's really it's it's so uh, cliche, but it's really always about uh, doing your best. And I remember I had to fly to an important uh, festival with the movie that I did. And I remember I was talking to my agent and I was very nervous. And I was like, what will happen? And people, nah. and she just took a note <laughs> and she wrote me, Shira, I think I have it here somewhere. Shira, you did your best. Let it go. You know? and it kind of like opens sometimes something and uh, I'm not perfect in it. Not at all. I still, I mean, I still look at this note sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, but it, it is what it is. You can only do your best and the rest is not in your hands. And 
I really, uh, even though when things are not always the way we planned it will happen, I mean, when you're specific, when you work hard, when you're doing your best, I didn't hear about anyone that it didn't pay off at the end. Maybe not exactly like you wanted, but it does. And yeah. I, I hope it, it will help with someone. <laughs> well, I, I loved reading. I, I have to say I loved when I was reading up on you uh, before I knew that I was going to get to talk to you. I loved hearing about how you really fought for this part. It wasn't something yeah. where you just, you're, it wasn't your phone ringing and being like, oh, you know, how about you do this part? You really fought for it. Yeah, I got an audition uh, and, and I, I remember getting it and it was written at the top of it that the scene is supposed to be in Yiddish, but you can do it in English for the first run. And I was like, challenge accepted. I'm going to do it in Yiddish, you know. I, I asked someone <laughs> to record it to me and I, I, I did it. I did it like 100%. And after the first round, they were interested and it was more about... Uh, negotiations and stuff like that but it was definitely about proving it and it's I think it's I mean of course it depends on, on a lot of things but proving yourself and you know even when you get offers sometimes you don't you can't just lay down and say well cool I get no you need to prove yourself you need to to prove that you're still worth it if you're doing your best you've been your best self you know um and they were, yeah so don't do Yiddish. Don't do English. Go for the Yiddish. I guess that's my motto for today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so it's so great, and it's so uh, it's just this this performance is just it's so nuanced. It's extraordinary. It's like it has so Thank much you. energy at the same time that it's completely still. It's just all of this stuff. Um, my one last question for you is. A lot of acting is very intense. It's very emotional, you know, and especially a series like this. But how does Shira relax? How do you decompress? What's your what's your secret to just tuning out? Huh. That's a good question. I'm really into research and working hard and into getting into the cards and go as deep as, as possible. But there is always, always, always a part of me when I'm acting, at least at the end of the day, you know, that I say to me, and I, I even touch like my hair, my face or something. And I remind myself that I am, before I'm Esti, before I'm Ursula, uh, before Ruhami, you know, it, there's Jira. And it's so important to keep reminding it to us. And also when the day off to relax sometimes and to have, I don't know, something that does you good, whether if it's watching a show that you like, a great one or a stupid one, you know, just relax. Or um, And also after finishing a project, also with after our Orthodox took me longer than the on average to slowly let it go, you know. I mean, I have friends, for example, that I have, since I'm like six or seven, they're like my family and they're like my sanity, you know? I mean, I, I, I it's just even talking with them and reminding, I, I believe in going deep as much as you can, but also, also reminding yourself, you know, the other side of the coin, I guess. Well, well, I should tell our listeners that your hair has 
grown back. I have the advantage of being able to look at you through through our uh, <laughs> telecommunications. But you've got a nice bob going. It's it's the little. It's yes. like shoulder well, length, it, basically. It's now yeah. straightened. It usually looks shorter, but yes, it, it, hair grows back definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, Shira, it's great. I could continue to talk to you well into the night uh, as I see it's dark outside your window. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. And again, congratulations on an extraordinary performance and an extraordinary series on Orthodox. Fantastic. Thank you. It was such an honor. Talking was really fun. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.